It's Lawyer Talk time. It is Wednesday. Blitz edition, still in the COVID semi-shutdown lockdown bunker phase here at 511 uh, Studio C. Uh, so we're going to be uh, expecting a call from the Blitz any minute. Jared and I down here uh, keeping the show going. we got lots to come today. I think we're going to obviously we'll take the legal advice as usual. We will uh, we'll hear what uh, what folks are doing what the problems are, see if there's any uh, shift in the winds blowing here in central Ohio, answer all the questions. Uh, Then we've had a comment and a suggestion from a listener that we're going to get to about free speech, uh, what it means, and uh, some of the problems that Great Britain is experiencing with free speech. I think that's worth a at least a little bit of a comment. I mean, after all, it is lawyer talk. Uh, So here we are. Let's get rolling. What's going on, man? Beautiful day outside. Rode your bike in today. Rode my bike in. It was, uh, it's, it's, like, there's like no traffic out. I'm still, I'm still surprised here. Yeah, it, it's a lot of people still. Our offices not fully opened. Or you know, I, I think that's there's a lot of people still working from home. Yeah, I think there's been a seismic shift in that. And and you know, some of this maybe still be directly COVID related. Some of it might be, you know, we've been doing this a long time. It sort of works. We don't need all this office space. Why don't we just work from home? I just got a message. I I got a dentist appointment coming up. Man, that's going to make you feel real secure. And as I had to think about that for a minute, I was like, man, do I want to cancel? Do I postpone it? Do I go? Uh, yeah. This, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just for a cleaning, you know what I mean, a checkup. Well, look, th- I mean, here's where you expose your inherent uh, confirmation bias. Because, you know, if it were like go on a bike ride and to a, like a Willie Nelson concert, you wouldn't even think twice about it. You wouldn't think go. twice. I'd go, yeah. But dentist, man, that's dangerous. I don't know if I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't like the dentist in here. I well, do, I, I mean, I do like my mean. dentist, though. Well, I, 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 got, I, I got a good crew. I, I, I like the whole crew there. But uh, I like <clears> my dentist personally, but going to the dentist. I think you got to go and wait in your car, right? And then they'll, they'll like, text you. They'll give me a number. And, and yeah. tell you uh, when, when they're ready for you to come in. So, you know, we had to take a, an animal to the, to the vet the other day. And you go there and you wait in the car. They come out, get the pet, go in, give you a call, do it over a conference call there over the phone. And, uh, you know the conference calls is that's that's the that's the thing. It is. It, it's it's awkward, but I'm getting better at it. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, look, I may call me old fashioned, call me whatever. Um, I still like meeting with people face to face, but to the extent uh, you have to do that at times with a mask on, um, that's really difficult. I mean, I was I was in a meeting the other day in my conference room, and I had a mask on with a with a client. And, uh, you know, the client was uniquely susceptible, was of the age and had some conditions that we just didn't want to take any chances. And it was very, very difficult. It was very difficult to actually feel like I, that we had a, a uh, I don't know what the, a communion, I guess would be the right word, right? A communication that was, uh, that we were getting to each other. Uh, now I think, you know, people get used to it and that'll be just one more brick in the wall, so to speak, between uh, personal interaction uh, you'll just get used to it like we did with communicating by email and then now by text. Well, I call them. I can just text. I'm, I used to I used to have block text. This is back in the flip phone days. But you remember, like, you get charged like crazy. Yeah. It was like 20 cents in a letter or something. Oh, you know, yeah, kids sometimes. were getting these outrageous bills. Outrageous bills on it. And they had IMs, instant messaging. So Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, you know, I, it was the sun was coming up, and I was coming around Columbus on the outer belt there. And you look in, and you get, get, I get a couple really good views, especially from the bike on on the way in. And, you know, and, and Columbus was looking good, but Broad Street was closed down. Yeah, 
Because they're, they're we still got that the protest slash no, right, well, no? they're, they've got construction going on. Uh, oh yeah, they're 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 taking down uh, the uh, Christopher Columbus, taking down the statue um, as we speak. There's there's uh, this uh, push to actually change the name of the city. Uh, there is uh, we're getting rid of Columbus Day uh, in exchange for Juneteenth. Which look, I got no problem with Juneteenth being a holiday. Um, I think it's a great idea for a holiday. Awesome. It ought to be, you know, but it's like when you start replacing other holidays with that, uh, you're not only just adding that as an important event in our society, you are taking away another one, right? You know, it's like, it's, it's to say one is more important than the other and then, uh, developing. So that here I go again, it's like, it's not even challenging a hierarchy. It is creating a new one. And uh, that's the problem with this is that, uh, uh, you know, look, I got no, I was a history major. I love history. I got a problem with incomplete history, no matter what your narrative is or what your agenda is. History ought to be complete. You got to learn it all. But I I mean, Jared, when's the last time you met somebody in your world who hadn't made a mistake, done something bad or done something wrong in their lifetime? And did that define their existence in your world? Oh, of course, without not. a doubt. Yeah, you know, I mean, of course it didn't. You know, everybody it happens and, it, it, all the time. Now, the argument would be, well, that doesn't mean we should celebrate these people. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, is that what we're doing? I mean, we're just saying we don't want to celebrate anybody. Or are we saying uh, are we saying something else? Like we want to dismantle the foundational structure and create something new, which I have yet to see a definition of what that's going to be. But I think if the Seattle situation is anything that's indicative of that, it wouldn't be good. I just I don't like it. I don't I don't I don't know why I don't know why. I mean, why why wouldn't you do something this? There's not a full history. Then let's let's add to the statue. Let's put more placards on there. Let's put more reading on it. Use it as so an when you go there and you can see it. You can walk around. Let's put a timeline maybe on it, and you can say that you know here's the good and the bad. What a great okay? idea! And 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 let's let's learn and take both. You know, let's let's add to it. You're exactly. But right. they're going to dismantle it, and they then the, the, this is coming from the dispatch. They said that. The, Columbus Dispatch. Oh, what are they going to be called? Uh, what are they going to be called? I don't know. Just the dispatch. Know. So the dispatch said that uh, they're going to be storing it in a secure location. Well, look, if if they also, or like what you said, if, if there's not room to create the museum, so to speak, outdoors near the monument itself, which I think there would be, right? There's plenty of such things. Uh, then put it somewhere where you can learn from this stuff. Where, you know, if you bury the history, you learn nothing from it. Um, if you don't study history, you learn nothing from it. If you only study the history that you like, you learn nothing from it. Uh, and then all of it leads to really bad things yet again. But here we are. You know, this is um, uh, it, it. I just feel like it's not about. And where did this problem come from? Uh, a statue's been there before I moved here. Right. How long has that I mean, statue been there? Do we, I don't even, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I have don't no know. idea. I don't, I don't know. I mean, but it's been there for as long as you know, it's been there on the face of it. I don't care if there's a statue there or not. I could really care less, frankly. Um, on the other hand, we have a situation where I feel like taking the statue down is not just saying, well, uh, Christopher Columbus did bad stuff. So we don't want to honor him. It's more like it's symbolic of something bigger than that, which is a fundamental destruction or dismantling of, the burn it down, so to speak, burn down the country, start over. Um, you know, let's get rid of all this. And um, that really scares me. I mean, I, I think you can look at America like, and look, it's 4th of July weekend, great time to talk about this. You know, 
1776, uh, we, our forefathers created this country. I mean, we founded the country. We declared independence and freedom, and it wasn't perfect. It, it didn't include everybody uh, completely yet. Uh, it, it, it had its flaws, but we set forth on the greatest freedom experiment ever created on the planet. And I am probably pissing lots of people off right now, but I believe that. I mean, I think that we set forth uh, the, the infrastructure to create the freest society ever, where you can choose to be a carpenter. You can choose uh, almost anything, and you're, it's not chosen for you. You have the freedom of speech. You have the freedom of religion. You have, the free, you have all these rights that we not only recognize but wrote down and guaranteed. Um, and it was marred with a couple big problems. Uh, and enormous problems, right? I mean, you know, nobody now would look back and say, boy, slavery, that was an awesome thing. Uh, it was a horrible thing. And I think, look, read about the forefathers. You know, they they um, they knew that. And there's, it's, it's funny. Um, if you think about what this is and what it was, it's like we, they were trying to found a country out of 13 independent colonies. I mean, think about that. So each, each colony was its own, you know, and they were trying to somehow uh, found a country, a federal country or a bigger government out of that. And they didn't want, I mean, it, it's so fascinating to me. So they had, a, they have this situation where um, everybody had to have their own autonomy as far as states and colonies go. And at the same time, they wanted to have this greater federal government that could ensure the individual freedoms but still let the individual colonies operate on their own. I mean, really sort of a fascinating juxtaposition of ideas. Um, and, and now we have, I think we've gotten to a point where we just feel like the federal government is the only thing that's there. Like we barely recognize that states are independent. We barely recognize that there was a time like there was, I mean, look, let's talk real history, the civil war. And I'm going to get back to some of the, the, on how the forefathers felt about slavery, even though they owned them. But it's like, we had a civil war and there's, I mean, you know, they didn't. It, there, there's a good argument back in those days that those colonies did not have to be part of the federal government, right? I mean, they, they signed by consent uh, to participate, and they just said, "Well, we revoke our consent." So it really wasn't obvious that they were not allowed to secede from the union. I mean, and and the move at the the Civil War was really, you know, it it, it was about all sorts of things, but that was a huge undercurrent. Like they felt like, wait a minute. Who are you to tell us that we have to consent to be part of this union? And what the what resulted from that was the end of slavery. I mean, the end. And lots of people died for that. And and you know, and it, it it still was imperfect for a long, long time. But you know, there was a decent argument that the South had at the time that they didn't have to participate; <clears throat> they could just go do what they wanted. That, um, that is a good argument, but I believe in this. I'm if if we didn't have our states united with the size of our country and the way to everything has grown, it would have been a horrible thing. If, it, wouldn't if America, it, it wouldn't have worked because we'd be like the middle East. No, I agree. I, I'm not saying it's a good argument now, but back then it's like based on what was, what the history was at the time. It's like, who are you to tell us that we can't do this? I mean, federalism uh, was, was the thing. And it's, it's ironic now, uh, you know, some of these positions get so skewed in the mix because, you know, the federal government basically, put its foot down and said, no more slavery. We are going to end it. 
And if you rewind the clock, it's like there's correspondence between the founding fathers like Adams and even Jefferson, uh, you know, and, and they just, in, in some language, I read the letter at one point, I can't, I, I'll butcher the quote, but it was like, I only, and I don't remember which one said it, but I only regret that we have kicked this can or kicked this problem to the future generations. I mean, they knew that this was going to be a big problem, but they still wanted to create the union. So it's like, do you create the union uh, and let it go for now? Or do you just not create the union and then it um, uh, it goes on its own and you form a union without these states? And then what problem? It's like then you don't have ever have the means to try to uh, politically abolish it or by war abolish it. It's just it's it's so fascinating to me the history and I think it's worth talking about and exploring, particularly in this day and age. I mean, uh, it's it, it's our history. You can't back to the statue. It's like it is our history, like it or not, good or bad. And uh, I think it's well worth exploring. And I love your idea of, of look, let's, let's, if, if we have an incomplete history of Christopher Columbus, if we have an incomplete history of any of the founding fathers, if we have an incomplete history of anybody on the planet, let's not get rid of them, so to speak. Let's fill in the gaps. I mean, boy. Like I, I don't, I think that it would have been to put up, like I said, you can put up plaques, you can have them there. Yeah, if you if you're going to provide information, it's sort of once you undertake that obligation, I think you're obligated to provide all the information. Um, and it seems like we were going the opposite. Let's not provide any information. Let's just get rid of it. Let's burn it down. Well, you know, and and my father loves history. He's a big history fan. Yep. And as a child, I was lucky when my dad started working in the oil fields in Louisiana. Um, we would get out of school in the summer, and he would work a week on the rigs and be off a week. So we'd take our camper right down to Louisiana from Missouri. Yep. And then we would go camping somewhere. He'd go to work. We'd stay at one site. Mom was there, my brother and sister. And then he'd have a week off. So then he'd drive up there and then we might, we would go to Mississippi, Texas. You know what I mean? We were in Florida, you know, anywhere in the Gulf that he could, you know, drive out there and, and we'd stay in different places. So he would always pick, a, we'd camp and then he would find a historical monument or a site or, you know what I mean? Uh, a lot of times it was uh old battlegrounds to uh, forts to, I remember when we were in Louisiana, you know, he took us, we went to visit old plantations, mm -hmm. you know, and they had the history and they told you about everything that was there. And, you know, so I learned about slavery whenever we would, you know, in the summers of going to there. And the message was not that it was a good thing. No, it was not that they weren't like, oh, shoot, we really missed this. But they let you know what happened, how it worked. And they had the recreators, yeah. you know what I mean? You'd go through there and they'd have a pot burning and they'd have people dressed in the time and era and uh, they'd go through and somebody would just explain how life was in this area uh, in history at this time. Yeah. Or you'd go up, I remember when I was in Maine, I think it was Maine there. Yeah, we, you know, there was a fort up there where we were invaded by Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, that's that, that, you know, that's, and you learned about it because of those artifacts. Now you could get, I'm walking around, I didn't know, I was like, Canada invaded us, but that we were, there was the French, you know, and it was, I forget when it was, but it's that at one point in time, they needed the union because other people were going to come in. You know what I mean? They needed the joint protection. So they, like you said, they had to kick the can. Yeah. They, they push it off. Well, it's, it's such a, you, you just made such a great point again. It's like, how many people learn history? from books and maybe now it's a little bit different because of YouTube and, and different things, but learning history from books is very difficult for most people. Like picking up a thick history book, particularly of our generation, like our, 
somewhere in the nineties, they started to write better history books. I mean, readable ones, but you know, you go back into the day and it was like, man, it was horrible. Um, but when you went to a place where it came alive, where it was alive right in front of you, both good and bad, both the good stuff of history and the bad stuff of history, you learned it. And now if there's a situation where there's a narrative version of that history being pushed that is skewing and leaving out the bad stuff, by all means, let's all get together and fix it. And at the same time, let's not eliminate all the good stuff and only celebrate or commiserate about how bad and awful we are. Um, because after all, we are just people. And then, you know, going through grade school and middle school in uh, the Ozarks, uh, like if you go to Springfield, Missouri, there's a, there's a mall there. It's called Battlefield Mall. The reason it's called Battlefield Mall is because it was built right next to a Civil War battlefield. You know, we're, we're, you know and there were multiple battles that, that went on in that area. And we would go and, like I said, you had the reenactors or you had uh, – they'd show you what they ate and how they went through and, and the different uniforms. And, and if you, you, you got to keep teaching it so that you look at it and you're like, wow, you know, these weren't the good guys, you know, or, you know I mean? It's just weird how you look into it. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm at a loss here now. No, no, you're right. No, I, what you're saying is what we're talking about. What you're saying is that, it is a good way to learn history, and that is by going and experiencing it, experiencing it off the page, off the written word, off the dry, drab, paragraph-style history, uh, and go participate in it and see it and feel it. And you know, none of this is inconsistent with with adding to history accurate facts that maybe show some of the people that we think are heroes in a different light. But at the same time, I think getting rid of all the other stuff or saying, all right, this guy or this gal, they did something bad, so we just need to forget about them and not even consider anything good they did. Um, I, I have a real problem with that. Now, everybody argues like, yeah, but we don't have to honor them with a statue. And I was like, all right, you're right. We don't. We don't. But it, it feels like it's different. It feels like there's more going on than just uh, saying, all right, we better not honor anybody with a statue. But no, we're saying not only do we hate this guy, we don't want to know anything about this guy, and I don't believe anything this person ever said because they also did these bad things. And I just don't accept that we are capable of only bad or only good, and I defy anybody to show me uh, somebody who has only done good things. Germany left everything up. They didn't get rid of, 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 of the, the concentration camps. They, didn't, yeah. they left it all there they so it, it could there. be shown that this was horrible and a lot and of that, we can never do it again. I read an article about the Nazi symbolism that was torn down and destroyed. And somebody was sort of lamenting that they couldn't go back and sort of really dig into that and understand what the hell happened there and how it happened and why it happened and what the indoctrination was. And, and uh, because a lot of it, some of that was dismantled. Some of the, some of the ideology history was actually dismantled. Fortunately, they left relics of the really, really bad stuff. I mean, I mean, come on. It's funny that these ideological wars were sort of fought already a hundred years ago uh, or almost a hundred years ago now, 80 years ago. And it's like, do we, do we just forget that some, that this has happened or are we going to go back and learn about it? So I, I'm just not an advocate for wiping out history. I am not necessarily opposed on the other hand to look, if there's an offensive monument that was erected during Jim Crow days only to sort of uh, thumb your nose at uh, at the African American population and say, guess what? We're still in charge. We're going to put up this statue to somebody who who uh, 
was your was your or was your nemesis. All right, well that's bad, right? I, I recognize that for what it is, and now that may be again your your idea may be a great one where all right, it doesn't have to sit on the Capitol building, but on the other hand, getting rid of it maybe once you teach that history, the version that I just said, it's like instead of saying these people were great for this reason, say look, great or not, these statues were put up here to punctuate the point that although. Uh, uh, Jim Crow or the, the war is over and, and all the, and, um, and segregation is over, blah, 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 blah. Uh, now we're going to just, we're going to do this quietly and make the point. No, teach that history, which is really sort of fascinating history. But if you eliminate all those things without teaching that history also, uh, I think there's an important lesson lost. It helps you learn repercussions. Yes. Yeah, which is you know, I mean, it's if you follow that path, what where is it going to lead to? If you don't know that somebody's already walked down these paths and done these things, all right, hold on, here's the blitz. Dial eight two one ninety nine seven zero. If you need free legal advice on Loper and Randy, better call Steve. Hey, Steve Palmer, live with us here. How you doing? Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Steve. Hey, Steve, so, you know, we've heard a lot about people uh, in boating communities, uh, specifically with COVID-19. But, you know, that has basically tells me that, you know, there's a high population of people out on the water. And at any given time, people out on the water could be drinking and doing the thing. What is, what is the exact legality of you being in a boat on any body of water in the state of Ohio uh, and, and drinking? Uh, like so many other questions. It all depends. Uh, so on the one hand, if it's a private lake that permits alcohol, uh, you're allowed to have alcohol on a boat if you're otherwise allowed to have alcohol. Now, if you're drinking and intoxicated while operating your boat, that's a, it's sort of like a DUI. Um, now, the state parks, uh, Deer Creek, Allen Creek, uh, just the various ones around, they generally do not permit alcohol out on the boats. And, and anybody who's been out on those waterways will know that uh, the sheriff and the DNR, they're out there with binoculars catching you. So Thick Rick is fishing there all the time. Thick Rick, hey, do you see buddies out there drinking? Yeah, on Alum, yeah, people are on their pleasure boats drinking. The driver can't drink and drive. It's just like driving a car. That's the law. But, I mean, as far as I know. Thick trying to get the fishing hole all to himself, snitching on people. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that guy over there in my spot is uh, drinking. I I don't know. But I know know that he's right about the parks. When you go into one of the ramp areas, one of the big park areas around Alum Creek, the sign when you come in says no alcoholic beverages allowed. But from what I understand, on the water, that's not the same because you're not actually in the park. But uh, unless something's changed. Wow, that's a interesting little. No, I, I'm pretty sure that you're not allowed to have booze out on the water there, Rick. Is that some bro science? Okay. Rick only brings peanut butter and jellies and Snickers, so he's he's safe. He's but oh my god, that's how you get a DUI on the water because your buddy's like, no, dude, hey, bro, eat, right? The water is not the park. <laughs> I mean, is the water the park? Can you run? Well, no, I mean, they say run in the park. This is can go- you run on the water? No, it's not the park, bro. I mean, you're gonna have it like air dropped onto your boat. Yeah, I, I'm really glad <laughs> exactly. that you asked him about this because we're supposed to go out on my buddy's pontoon boat on Monday, wrecked. and we were taking oh. a core of of drinks and food and stuff. And yeah, and he said he's one saying that to me. He goes, I can't get drunk, but you guys can drink all you want on the boat. And I'm going, okay, great. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm like, now role. I'm hearing slow this. your role. But he said he talked to the ODNR guy out there, and he told him, yeah, yeah. yeah the people on here can drink, but I you like can't drink hear, and drive the boat. I'd like to hear from the people next door, the fish and wildlife. Yeah, somebody listening's got to know for a fact. Yeah. Right. About Steve Palmer? Steve Palmer like just said. Well, you have to, yeah, I'm so sure Steve has just, defended people. Someone just wrote this. in, you're not allowed to drink on state park property at all in any way, driving a boat or being a passenger okay. included. Oh, all this right. just in, we're doing a lawyer segment, and the lawyer said it's not allowed. The Rick's no, like, no, I, no, I'm glad this happened. I'm oh, really are going, you? Well, yeah, I was yeah. going to be on a boat Monday drinking on Alan Creek. Rick's yeah. going to be beer boring now. Right now, ready to fill the two slots it's with beers. Thing. I'm going to Indian Lake. <laughs> Can he do it at Indian Lake? Well, that's actually a state park, too, I believe. I mean, you got to rethink your whole life anyway. Your yeah, whole, you're right. Your life is ruined, Rick. All right, 821-9970. Legal questions. If you Take have them, Steve off. Palmer will be taking them. And, of course, man, uh, they can call you for if they make the mistake of getting behind the wheel uh, this weekend for some odd reason. And, man, put this number in your phone. What is it, Steve? Wait, we have more yeah. people. Pull your phones out yeah, right now. 614. Yep. Three, uh, for, I almost forgot my number. That's right. 614-224-6142. Yeah, perfect, man, because I really want people to put that in your phone. Like Steve says that, that's not like a catchphrase. That's like one of the best pieces of advice that you're going to get during the segment. Well, you know what? Another piece of advice, and this one's coming from the Alum Creek Marina manager. Okay. okay. Yeah. He, he goes by the, the marina. And by the way, we have a picture of thick behind the desk now. <laughs> Steve, they said Steve is correct. There are no aloholic beverages allowed on the lake or in park property. I'm so but glad Rick's, I'm hearing this. Rick's like, man, I wish I could get an answer on if I could drink them over there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I'm still not Dude, buying it. I mean, we were going to do this but on But where Monday. are the real experts? I wish they'd weigh in. <laughs> <laughs> where are the drunks? I, mean, I, said, now. I told my wife this. I said, you want, you want wine? You want Long Island iced tea? You just want beer? What are we yeah, drinking? They're so mad at you right now for exposing She's this like, F that, I ain't going. <laughs> You're like, hey, Prohibition Rick. I know. That's what the boat's name is, isn't Man. it? Prohibition. Because I, I, I don't drink when I fish. I, I never do. I don't drink when I fish. Don't, I don't believe you now. I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Right. I know. No. I'm not out there okay. to party when I'm fishing. Right. Question for Steve. I wasn't question, fishing Monday. Okay. Question for, okay. T- pipe down there, Alfie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm upset. I, I heard, Drake. <laughs> I'm upset. I can't drink alcohol. I'm upset. Right, here's the question for In Steve. In my jet. Okay. Question uh, for Steve. My father has recently passed away, but got a car and bought one 10 days before his death. The loan company keeps saying I have to get executor. Executor. Damn it. He says executor. Executor. Hopefully not an executor. (laughs) He's already dead. We don't need an executor. We need Steve and some backup, too. I'm so sorry. Executor. 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 Excalibur. Okay. Um, I have to drive to Louisiana with her. <laughs> believe that? <laughs> so sorry, Steve. I'm going to be able to read this, Kelly. <laughs> All right. Uh, my father has recently passed and had a bit, bought a car 10 days before his death. The loan company keeps saying, I have to get an executor of a state <laughs> order. An executor of a state order. This is my father's debt, not mine. And I just want to give the car back. I have his death certificate, and I'm next of kin. Are they trying to get me to assume the loan? I just uh, want them to come get the car. I I don't see it that way. I think what's going on is they just need some official documents out of probate court 
So what they can do is then uh, get the get the records and forms that they need to do whatever they're going to do with a car, whether that is repossess it or take it back or uh, uh, tell the bank who whoever financed it that uh, that the that the guy is deceased. So when they're talking about the executor, really they're talking about some form that's going to be generated out of the probate process. Um, a call to the court if the if there has been an estate opened up would be a good start. Otherwise, get a probate lawyer, Jay Michael. That's uh, who I'd call. Never know. Hey, hey uh, we got a text here. Steve Luke said, uh, if you are owed $8,000 in back child support and the father dies, how do you collect it? Well, I mean, I suppose you could try to go dig up the casket to see if the money's buried in there. But short That's of that, I don't idea. Think I'm get it. Yeah, I don't think so. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I didn't mean to be flip about that, but that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, not going to, yeah, for sure. Hey, Steve, so um, this weekend, do you have any plans? What are you doing? You getting out of town? Man, I love Fourth of July. It's one of my favorite holidays. No doubt. Um, I'm sad that the festivities have been sort of curtailed because of COVID. But, uh, you know, I'm going to spend some time with my family. I'm going to put my flag out, and I'm going to celebrate Fourth of July the best I can. I'll probably uh, cook something. I'll probably uh, hang out outside a little bit. Nice. Hey, and, what, what, uh, what's the actual legality on these fireworks? So, you know, like, are you on next door? Because <laughs> all the all the moms on next door are so upset in my neighborhood about the fireworks, you know, like these random fireworks going off. Like, are, are the cops pursuing people? The police, uh, are, are they pursuing people? Like, what do people have to worry about when it comes to, I know you can't light them in the state of Ohio, but are, you know, is this really like a crime? Yes, it really is a crime. How, how crimey are we looking here? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, is it like Rick drinking an Alan Creek? To violate crime. these laws, uh, <laughs> might otherwise be completely law-abiding. I right. mean, lawyers and, and all sure. sorts of people I know are like, uh, no, we're just going to do our own fireworks display. But my neighbor, boy, he's you know he's really good at this, and he's done it for years, and he used to work on the fireworks displays for some government, mm -hmm. so he knows what he's doing. It's it's perfectly safe. And, and okay. <laughs> All sorts of bad things. I guess the, the bottom line is this. The police will be out looking for it. If you get caught lighting off fireworks, uh, you could be charged with crimes. Now, worse yet, you could really hurt somebody or burn down somebody's house. Wow. So, like, okay, so say that happens. Like, what are you charged with potentially? Uh, all sorts of bad things. Oh, no. uh, so if somebody died, for instance, yes, there could yes. be a version of murder or manslaughter that would be no. appropriate. Oh, my God. If are you burnt down a structure... I could see an arson charge. If you burnt down a structure and somebody got hurt, I could see aggravated arson. Uh, wow. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of bad things that could happen. I mean, frankly, you know, light off your black snakes and your firecrackers and your bottle rockets, I suppose. But, mm -hmm. uh, boy, the big stuff that people tend to get these days, boy, it's uh, it's – it's sort of scary. All right, man. If uh, if you didn't the first time, put this number in your phone. Do it right now. It's the second time and the last time around. Steve Palmer, that number to get in touch with you over the weekend. You know, God forbid somebody needs you, but uh, Steve is on call 24-7. Yeah, Steve Palmer, 614-224-6142. You know, it is still holiday weekend. The police are still out looking, and I think uh, just because – uh, there's no festivities downtown. Doesn't mean people aren't going to be drinking and driving and enforcement won't be out looking for them. So everybody be safe. Grab your Uber, grab your taxi, get your sober driver. But if you don't, give me a shout. 614-224-6142. My man, Steve Palmer. Thanks, man. Have a great weekend. Hey, thank you. Happy 4th. All right. So another successful Blitz Wednesday. 
uh, you know, it's hard to, it almost feels like we're not going into the 4th of July holiday weekend yet. We are, you know, it's such a, it's such an odd year, but, uh, uh, the questions, uh, yeah, did we have any phone? There weren't even any phone-ins. I think they were all just by text. They were all text in. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, uh, the father's dead. How can I get my money? And it's like, it's yeah, well, no, you're not going to get your money. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it was support. the child support. Child support. I didn't mean to be that smart-ass about it, but, boy, I mean, it's like. It, it, that's the, That was just kind of the deal. Yeah, I mean, maybe if, if, I mean, I'm assuming the individual did not have the money to begin with. Otherwise, would have paid. Now, if they, if they if the person died with lots and lots of money, uh, maybe there's a claim against the estate. I don't know, but short of that, I, I suspect that it's probably not going to happen. You know, most people who don't pay child support can't. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it, the, they're not. Yeah, that's the problem with it. So, I mean, that's the, I hate to I hate to be the bearer of bad news on that one. Then then we had the uh, drinking another, and boating. Drinking and boating. Now that is a good one to talk about. Um, it's funny how even Rick, thick Rick was so sure that he's allowed to be just sucking down a few beers on his bass boat. No go. No go. No go. I had a boat the last couple of years down at uh, Deer Creek, and there were two – you had the sheriffs cruising around on their boats, and then you had uh, ODNR cruising <clears throat> around on their boats. I mean, and they were they were brutal about it. And it, it, this, is, this goes back to my jackass rule. If you're an adult with a red cup, you're probably not going to get harassed. Yeah. But if you're a group of kids, I saw this. I was down there last summer. There's this group of kids. What do they do? They pull into the swimming cove. They've all got red cups. And they're not even that discreet about what they're putting in the red cups. And, you know, there's like empties, empty beer cans floating around around them as they drop them because they were drunk. And, they, you know, the girls were all in their bikinis and the guys were diving in, making noise and doing what they're doing. And I just thought, this is my jackass rule. If you're acting like a jackass – then you're going to get caught. You're going to be the one charged because if you're, and I looked around at all the other sort of uh, older, older folks who are just sipping their red cups on their boats. Nobody's going to say a word to them, but if you're making noise, making a ruckus, uh, acting like a jackass, you're going to draw the foul. That's it. I've, I've been on Elm Creek where they would, you get a group of boats, you know, they all kind of tie up the flotilla and and then you're floating out there and everything. And someone's got a nice cabin boat. You might walk in there for the shot of tequila. That, that's where you go. Pour yeah, your drink, you yeah. go downstairs. Yeah, and you, you you mix the drinks and you drink them in the red cups. Yeah, you know, or like whenever we were kids, because Alm Creek was there. I mean, we were out on it all the time. Heck, you could rent a boat, you know. Yep. And uh, I had a buddy that had boats, but uh, we'd go out there with thermos. Yeah, we'd have know. the thermos there mixed up, and then you just unscrew the cup. They, you know, you got the top, you know, the old school thermoses. Yeah. yeah. And now they got all the fake. You know, you can get the can that looks like a soda can versus the beer can. But if you're out there drinking beers, like you said, they got their binoculars. Oh, they watch you. They, they watch. absolutely watch. Yeah, yeah. they watch. Then and they're like, oh, here we go. Got one. Live one on us. Got one. And then, uh, you know, they'll board your boat and ask for a safety inspection. Oh, you got beer here, too. Did you need to know that this was illegal here on our lake? Yeah. But no, they like. it's funny that uh, Rick didn't realize that. Um, and lots of people don't. They just, it's such a. It's like peas and carrots, man. I'm going to go hang out on the water. I'm going to take my beers. But I'm, you know, I mean, I don't know how the, he might be drinking beer out of the bottle. But I remember whenever I would go out there, it was always like, put don't don't bring those. You know, it was always. I'm going to tell you, it was usually mixed drinks. Yeah, because it was easier. It, well, it's you know, easier I mean, not to get caught. Yeah, it's easier not to get caught. Yeah. Well, because yeah. if they look over at you, they don't have a a a. a they see the beer. The beer's there. Right. I it mean, it's, it's, it's obvious on its face. Right? Just right there it is. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. Whether you're drinking it or not, you're yeah, not supposed to sure. have it, especially whenever you're 17 years old. 
Right. Add that to the <laughs> equation. I mean? Right. Not only not only am I not allowed not only am I not allowed to have it if I were twenty one. I'm not even twenty one and I can't have it anyway. It's like you're just doubling down on all the problems. So anyway, Fourth of July weekend, you know, in the years past on on the show here today, we discussed all sorts of things like uh cooking, briskets. You cooking this weekend? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sure. Yeah, I've been. I've, we're I mean, you had uh, you had your big party a couple weeks ago, though. So yeah, we kind of had it then. There was uh, I don't there's uh, there's something that was maybe going on. I think we might go over. My buddy Butch has got a pool. We might go over there and jump in his pool. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, a little bit. My dad called me yesterday and he asked me. He said, oh, "Anything going on Fourth of July?" I was like, "I don't know." It was odd though because even you know I changed the schedule at work. And it's like, man, it just doesn't even seem like this is the Fourth of July. It doesn't. It's it's it just is reflective of of the haze that has descended upon our world here i mean just all sorts of of weird things going on it just doesn't feel right in the world um you know i got a new condo got a flag up fourth of july i love it isn't it funny though you see some of these i mean because the videos of the protesters and like uh, in the chop chavez or whatever that is there in seattle yeah and uh people come in they would no flags they wanted no american flag it just seems so. That just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? How is that for police brutality or how is that standing up for Black Lives Matter? How is that, you know, because there are plenty of black lives that were involved in our historic wars, our inventions, our, you know what I mean? Everything that built well, it's, America. It's part of the history, right? It's part of the history. And I don't think that it's inconsistent to address all the concerns within our country. In other words, you don't have to destroy it to address the concerns. There's plenty of room, if you read the Constitution, for a free society uh, without burning the Constitution or burning the, the fundamental structure. I mean, the structure's in place to create and to establish the and to continue the freest place uh, on earth. Now, if you don't like that, if somebody doesn't like that, you know, if the, if the, if their ideal ideology is different than, than that, a free society, then, you know, at least say that, you know, we, we fought that ideology, ideological war for the cold war. We, you know, it's, it's, you know, we fought that, but, uh, you destroy a, from within. Yeah. We've said that before. And then you look at these groups and the Antifa groups and everything that's put together we were talking about this before the show, and I believe that there are many cells that are being ran by different, different entities. Well, some of this, uh, you know, some of this, I think, is I agree with you. You, you were saying that if you have, like, what's to prevent the worst of the worst white supremacist uh, asshole from saying, you know what? There's a bunch of people out here. I could just go infiltrate this one and get some of my so foot soldiers there. Because on the one hand, they both sort of like the the anarchist thought, right? We're just going to live free or die. You know, we're going to do. You know, we're not going to. We're going to take it so far that we don't want anything. We want anarchy. We want our own sort of uh, culture to do what we want. And you know, there's there's a lot of people who they could probably unwittingly recruit. Uh, and you know, both those, I guess, fundamentally, it's like uh, it, those organizations are dangerous on both sides of the perspective or per, of the spectrum. And I don't consider. I don't necessarily consider Antifa far left as as much as I consider. I mean, look, they, they want anarchy. They want anarchy, You're right? And that's um, you know, that's a dangerous thing. So, or at least I think that's what they want. I don't know much about it, but here's here's what bothers me the most is that 
and and we were talking a little bit about this. I got a couple calls over the last two weeks from folks from kids, and I say kids, I mean probably eighteen, nineteen, maybe twenty, uh, who have been charged with felony offenses. And to to be fair, at least two of those, I didn't after hearing the story, I didn't think they should have been charged with felony offenses. But the felony offense they're being charged with is called aggravated rioting, which is basically with three or more people. Uh, you go engage in conduct with the intent to commit some sort of harm to somebody. A bar fight with a bunch of people would be now called aggravated rioting. We saw a bunch of these back up on campus a few years ago. Um, and that's that was the felony charge that was getting plucked out of the books uh, in the last several weeks. And I've gotten calls. And it dawned on me last night that what what how if if you're recruiting people to go participate in these protests and you know that there are other people there who are going to, um, I guess, uh, provoke a police response that is improper for sure, but provoked nonetheless and improper nonetheless. Like you're putting these kids' lives. I mean, you're using these kids for an agenda. uh, And I don't think the couple I've talked to did not understand what the consequence of this is. I mean, they are getting charged with felonies. Uh, They're in school. These are felonies that on their face generally may not be able to, I mean, you're stuck with them if you're convicted. Uh, they're, you know, they're going to, they may have to go to court on felony convictions or felony charges if convicted can put them in prison, uh, in theory. It, it, it's big stuff. I mean, it's it's really, really dangerous stuff. And, you know, there, there's not like, oh, I just got this felony. It was because I was protesting. And now five years later, they're like, well, I was just protesting. No big deal. It's just a, a, a violent felony. You know, it's not going to serve them well that way. And to the, to the extent that I feel like some of these kids are out there just going with the flow, I feel like there are others out there who have more of a positive agenda on it um, or concrete agenda on it. And these kids are sort of getting uh, lumped into that mix it's like it's really a bad thing for those kids. And I'm not saying they don't have the right to go out and, and protest. I think they do, and I love it. And we're going to talk more about that in a second as we deal with that email. Um, but on the other hand, boy, it's really dangerous. And in the, in the words of wisdom I gave one of these kids was, look, man, this is a big deal. You're charged with a felony. I'm not saying they can prove it. I'm not even saying they're going to pursue it once it all shakes out. But now you're in the system, on the books, on the public records, and you've been charged with a felony. It's a big deal. It is nothing that you want. And if you're convicted, you may be stuck with it forever. And uh, in, in 10 years, when you look back, you're going to think, you're going to think that probably wasn't worth it. Uh, or maybe you think it was worth the cause. I don't know. But I think going to prison for a cause is probably not a good idea for anybody on any, with any agenda or ever. And if you go survey everybody in prison and say, man, you, you you would be here for the cause and they're probably going to say, no, I want to go home or I want to get out or it wasn't worth it or whatever it is. Um, I guess there's, and you know, the, the flip side would be this. Well, the police shouldn't have charged them. The there was police misconduct. There was all this stuff going on. And that very well may be the case. It may be that they are wrongfully charged. Many, many people are. Um, on the other hand, uh, if you're not there, you're not going to get charged. If you're not engaged in, Understand, I'm not saying don't go. I'm not saying don't protest. I'm not saying don't exercise your rights, but do it with caution and know that you are entering a high risk situation, even if it's wrong, even if the police are creating it, 
it is still a high risk situation. So don't become a martyr and screw up your life uh, without understanding that risk. Now, if you understand the risk and you want to do it anyway, I'm all for it. Have at it. Uh, and again, this isn't to defend anybody or any police officer who overreached. Who and one the one I talked to last night, man, I don't think he ought to be. He shouldn't have been charged at all, at all. But it was chaos, and you know, it's like in the chaos. I can see how it happens. It doesn't mean that we can't defend the case. It doesn't mean, and I've defended cases for years. Where I stand politically on this is, I represent people charged with crimes. I keep the government at bay. I push back as hard as I can to protect the rights that we have. And when the police overstep, I'm the first one there to go fight it. Um, but I'm also about helping people avoid trouble too. And you know, there's some trouble you should take on, some trouble you don't need to take on. So the influence that can be put out. I mean, think about cults. You hear big cults all the time, like Jim Jones, you know, and then you get, I mean, down to Charlie Manson, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He was able to influence some young kids to go and murder. Yeah. Okay. He didn't have the thousand followers, but whenever, and there are evil players and there are people out there that go for control. And that's why I was kind of even saying on the white supremacy side to where they have found a very bunch of influential people with that we've talked about the frontal cortex before and mm-hmm. the thinking and how their mind is so it is easy to get them to follow you and if he i mean he could be giving you one message but in the back of his mind the message that you want to hear because he wants the control of you then starts influencing it you know what i mean makes starts, you feel good makes, yes. gives you a reason gives you a purpose gives you it, it replaces your own uh ego with somebody else's and you know i think i think boys particularly are susceptible to that longer just because we develop slower you know i think you know i think i think boys are unique that way but uh no like the like i've had cases involving uh the the biker gangs i've had cases involving uh the other uh, uh, any gangs you know the crips the bloods uh west side all sorts all colors all races and it's like that. These are very dynamic people who get in, who are leaders. I was just talking to somebody recently about a um, about a case in federal court that I had to participate in, and we were talking about the principal uh, defendant in that case. Really, really dynamic guy. But I guess incre- nice to talk to. Uh, very, um, you know, entertaining or engaging. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, but used it only for really, really bad stuff tied to a bunch of murders, was convincing his, his henchmen to go kill people for him, was convincing his girlfriends to get involved in all sorts of behavior they never would have been involved in. And uh, I think there's like this, this commonality where this narcissism and this, this engaging personality is used for evil and it gets really ugly. And it doesn't matter if you're Antifa, it doesn't matter if you're a white supremacist, KKK, whatever it is, these are people who are very dynamic. And the times have made them very easily and available to open up. Yep. I mean, like you can psychology like my own Antifa franchise right here in, you know, St. Louis Park. Right. Where you mean, where yeah. it's, it's, it's easier to pull them together. Now, and you might think that you're going for one cause, but I'm going to tell you, there will be people that will control and manipulate and go through to where they, you will be doing their bidding. Yes, they are using you is really what you're saying for their agenda. And, you know, to the extent that they've convinced you that their agenda is is uh, your agenda. Well, you know. Be careful because it's not your agenda. It's it's somebody else's. 
And, uh, you know, that brings us. So why not? It brings us right back home. So why not just ban that? Because I think what you're saying is, look, in today's day and age, you have the internet, you have Facebook, you have these chat rooms, you have like uh, the dark web sort of secret places that people can go. And um, you've seen, I mean, you know, from Al Qaeda to, to they use the internet to gain members within America. Yeah. And they do it a lot with uh, kids that feel alone. They do it a lot with, you know, they, they find them and they'll find them on the web and they will, they will get in their heads. They will take advantage of them through that. And that is a, I mean, that social media, man, that is a dangerous tool. It's very dangerous. I'm seeing that in, you got to watch it. I mean, Westerville had, I don't know what their final round is, but a couple of cops put up a post and uh, it was not becoming of uh, the PD department, so they sent them home. Uh, there's a number of people that can lose your job, and it's just uh, and a recruitment tool. Well, and it's become this. It's it, it's become this debate. Then, like, why do we even have it? Why shouldn't we just let the government moderate it, get rid of it, control what's being spoken? And and I guess before we get to the questions or some of the the topics we had. Um, I should just say this. There is sort of this this pressure play that's being, uh, I guess, um, employed on Facebook uh, to, to uh, I guess, censor certain comments on Twitter to censor certain things. Look, whether you love Trump or whether you hate him, uh, there, is, there is a push to stop it or to not let um, those with contrary views have access to the platform. And, you know, why do we care? I mean, that's a private organization that is, um, you know, they, in theory they can do whatever they want. And in theory they can. You know, it's not like that violates free speech if it's done privately. But, you know, there's been uh, some, to, in some extent, to some extent, some, some congressional push on, on uh, moderators of those things to actually get involved and do things uh, or and enforce some, some rules and fact-checking, et cetera. Uh, it's just a it's a scary place to be, and I want to uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about this email we got. So we got this email um, from Chris, and it's it was about uh, essentially it's free speech. He's he's been checking out the podcast, and and uh, he sent us this link to a a series of cases and that that are happening in Great Britain. And I thought it was really relevant for some of the stuff that's going on because now we have this sort of push in our in the United States about hate speech and uh, and what that is and whether that ought to be outlawed and uh, what if I do it on Facebook and and what's what's really going on with all of this and I think we I wanted to just take a couple seconds and talk about freedom of speech and what it is and what it's all about because man I think it's just so important and it's so dangerous. And it's so risky to go down this rabbit hole of saying we should regulate, that is we being the country, the government of any country should regulate the content of what people say and, and do that in a way that squelches ideas. You know, our founders didn't, our founders made that first, First Amendment. And it's so, so important. Uh, and it's relevant to protect those out protesting right now all over the country. It's relevant to protect those who want to voice their opinions anti-protesting 
all around the country. It's relevant uh, if you want to engage in, in in our country uniquely. We have something called political speech, which is given the utmost protection. So if you want to if you want to voice a view contrary to the government, you have every right to do it. If you want to voice a view contrary to Trump, you have every right to do it. If you want to voice a view in favor of Trump or the government, you have every right to do it. And it is the same right. And you know this just seems so fundamental to me, but. Uh, maybe it's only because I've given it so much thought over the years, and and I think to others it may not be so fundamental. It'd be really easy to say, why don't we just stop access? Why don't we just outlaw the the far right extreme white supremacists from having any access to any platform to go recruit these young kids? You know why not? Uh, let's just let's just shut them up, and then use the arm of the government to do it. Why don't we just outlaw Antifa from having any access to these platforms so they can voice their opinions? Why not? Let's just use the long arm of the government to shut them up. I mean, the problem with that is there is no, it's a conveyor belt. It's a slippery slope. It, it, there's no end to it. It has no end once you go down that path. It will go on and on and on, and, and speech will be regulated by what uh, whoever is in charge at the moment thinks is proper. And boy, that's scary. It's scary stuff. Uh, and then speech, I guess on a more fundamental level, if you're going to go back to the philosophers, is really thought. So think about, Jared, just think for a second. How many discussions have we had down here at this roundtable with you, with me, with Jeff, uh, with the comedians, with our guests, with everybody? And then how many times have you sat there and thought, man, that's a really good point. I better think about that. Often. Often. All the time. And then, you know what I've noticed too is this, this phenomenon. Since I started having to do that, I have to, since I've chosen to do this, um, have this podcast, it has forced me into really deep thought about stuff because I know that I've got to come down here and talk about this. I have to really think it through. And even the more I think it through, once I start putting it out there in speech form, out of my brain, once I start downloading it, I guess, or whatever, um, it automatically takes a different, uh, I don't know, it, it, it feels, it's automatically takes a different format. It automatically, if I have a bad thought or one that is inconsistent or one, an argument that isn't reasonable, a, 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 an opinion that doesn't make sense, it is immediately exposed by somebody sitting across from me or next to me, immediately. And it forces me back to think again. And then I test it. And then it forces me back to think again. And then I test it. And it's this, it, it, it dawned on me that free speech is really free thought. There's no, there's no difference. And, and then it dawned on me something else that's even more sinister. What if I had a bad idea and then it never got tested? It's not like the idea is going to go away. It's more like the idea is going to grow and fester and take on its own life and take on its own uh, uh, ill-fated path. It's, it's that idea is never going to be exposed for being dumb. It's just in my head. <laughs> nobody's going to correct you. Nobody's going to correct me. Nobody's going to challenge me, and nobody's going to even know that it exists except for me until it's too late, then I've done it. Then I've acted on that dumb idea. This is why when we... Uh, when I work on a project on my house, I, I talk to my buddy. It's like, hey, look, man, I'm thinking about taking this down or putting this up or doing this over there. What do you think? 
it's really not unlike that. You get somebody else's opinion on it. You know, you're just like, should I do this? And he's like, no, man, because if you do that, then you're going to be done. Now you're off to the races. Um, or down here, if I have a dumb idea, I'm immediately shot down and it's exposed. And then I get to change the course of my thought incrementally throughout the entire time I have on the planet. And do we really think that if you're going to create a government that has the power to shut up the speech of those we abhor, those we hate, whether you're far left, far right, far middle, far whatever, whether you just don't like your name, whatever it is, do you really think that they're going to stop thinking? No. 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 Of course not. And they're only going to talk to like-minded people. Yes. They're going to be driven underground to talk to like-minded people. And it's not, it would be naive to say that we are going to change everybody's mind by talking to them. But sometimes, just sometimes, maybe more often actually than, than that, you're going to not change their mind, but the minds of everybody else listening and expose a dumb idea for a dumb idea, even if the dummy with a dumb idea doesn't understand. And I only say dummy with a dumb idea because if, if, the, if the idea is exposed as irrational and doesn't make any sense and it's challenged and you've offered a counter rational argument that doesn't make sense and they refuse to reconsider well, now that's on them. But if everybody else around has is impacted by that debate, by that argument, by that free discourse, that free exchange of ideas, then we are doing good, even with bad speech, even with hate speech, even with speech we don't like, even with ideas we don't like. I mean, just imagine, man, it, it just seems so fundamental to me. Yet we have we have a situation where people want to shut everybody up. And then what? Really scary. And the articles that you got in, they were from the UK, and they were small, small things. And mm-hmm. that's what you're saying. You start with the big things, but then it comes down to somebody getting, you know, a hate crime for calling an ex-boyfriend, you know, I mean, her ex-girlfriend's boyfriend, new boyfriend, a leprechaun. Called him a leprechaun. This Call is him. in Great Britain. So Called him a leprechaun. Now, historically, they had free speech. They had something, I think it was Hyde Park, where it was like the bastion of free speech. You could always set up your stand on your stump in the corner in the park and just talk away, you know, whatever you wanted to say. But, you know, they've got these hate speech laws now. And, you know, this, this, this individual, is, it's happening. There are people being charged and convicted of hate speech. $350 fine is what he got Yeah, for, for, through a text. Calling somebody a leprechaun. A leprechaun. Now, what's that mean? Well, all right. Like you said, it's really small. You know, and, and on the one hand, should we should we outlaw or why shouldn't we outlaw name calling? Um and the problem is it's not always obvious what's hate speech. It's not always obvious what becomes content regulation versus uh hate speech. So is hate speech me saying I hate Antifa? or I hate white supremacists, or I think your ideology on this is horrible, or I hate the United States government, or I love the United States. I mean, when does it become hate speech? When, when can it be regulated? When can it not be regulated? And if you're going to regulate hate speech, if you're going to charge people with crimes for engaging in speech that simply offends somebody else, then we have slipped off the deep end. Now, the private companies, if they want to, I mean, really, it, it, if they want to regulate the speech that goes through, I, they can. Well, maybe. I mean, to a point, then you just got to pick it and build another platform. 
Yeah, no, it's interesting because what you have is this weird scenario going on. So it's sort of, let's, let me just sort of see if I can think through how this works. Um, you have one scenario where if I engage in criticism of the government, I get prosecuted for that for sedition or something like that. That clearly is political speech under, protected under the First Amendment. All right. What if I burn a flag? Well, that's freedom of expression. It's considered the same as speech. It's protected under the First Amendment. As abhorrent as some people may think it is, it's protected speech. Um, what if I say, uh, let's say Joe Biden gets elected and I say, I hate Biden and Donald Trump forever, orange man forever. Am I going to be prosecuted for hate speech? Because so many people are offended by Donald Trump that that's hateful and it, and it hurt people's feelings. It's not a far-fetched possibility once you go down that road. And, you know, we have different levels of speech. And, and you know, to be sure, everybody's going to say, well, we regulate speech all the time. Well, sort of. Like Oliver Wendell Holmes, I think it was back in like 1917, it was, um, I forget the name of the case. But he was talking about uh, fighting words. So if you, if you incite, if you use words that are so insightful as to uh, be fighting words, then that's not protected speech. And, you know, that was when his famous quote was, uh, you can't scream fire in a crowded theater, right? That's inciting people to violence and a riot right away. And, you know, that was, that sort of remained intact all the way up. Ohio makes it big again. There's a case called Brandenburg versus Ohio, which talked about um, something similar, um, speech that would pose a clear and present danger. Uh, or, or again, sort of these inciting fighting words and how far it could go. And, you know, the Supreme Court there just basically, it backed off a little bit. They said it has to be sort of this immediate threat. You know, you can't be, you can't just say things that are offensive and then let the government regulate it. It's got to be an immediate threat, like immediate fighting words or immediate insightful to riot words. And, uh, you know, I represented, I did, I didn't, but somebody I was working for years ago represented a, I should think if I shouldn't, if I'm allowed to, probably not, represented a, rock star who was sort of a one hit wonder type person and was charged with inciting to riot because he was getting the crowd going and, you know, doing whatever. It was protected speech, right? I mean, you, you, he was allowed to do that. Um, it's very difficult. So then you tar- start talking about this. Once you go down the path of regulating those things, it is left then to somebody's discretion about what is dang- or what is bad speech and what is good speech. And it's all fun and games while you're agreeing with the person who's uh, who's in charge. But what if the next person's in charge? I, I saw an, a, a brief bit of the interview there of a pink polo shirt in St. Louis. Did you see him come out with his AR and his wife had the gun? I did. I know yeah. you saw this. It's, I did. It, Karen and Ken, I think they're calling them. It's, uh, it's, now, he said that as they were walking down because they were going to the mayor's house, they broke through a fence. It does say private road. And that's one thing there. If it's private property, it's private. There are gated communities where you have to have a code, even though to get in, to be able to drive around. Needless to say, he is stating that as they were marching by, they were yelling at his house. One guy comes out, two magazine clips of ammunition, claps them together and says, you're next. Yep. So he's saying that that's why he came out and held his gun totally wrong. 
and his wife, his I mean, wife had a finger on a trigger, and she was like just waving around like by her husband's head. I, yeah, bad bad gunmanship. It was it was it was though, and how he was holding it, it was oh, like he looked it looked it, like he never think, held the thing before. Right? Yeah, no, no, it was like a token in his house. Yes, and uh, so which is dangerous and scary. Which I you know I you know you know I, on that whole thing right there, you. Whenever you have that adrenaline rush and fight or flights will kick in and you're not sure what's going on, you know, did he come outside? Because he was like, man, they might start throwing things through my windows. You know, is it better that I go out showing them that I'm packing heat or do I let him start throwing it in and then he freaks out and starts shooting out of the window? I I don't know. But so they were like, they were pre- peacefully protesting. And this comes back to your, you know, you know, I mean, fire in the, uh, in, in the theater. So did he violate his free speech's rights by clapping? Did he make a threat? Was that a threat by clapping two, you know, I mean, clips together and saying you're next? Right. I mean, is that, uh, so that's an interesting thought. Is that expression? Is that protected speech? Um, now, and, and can the government regulate? I think the answer would be, no, it's not protected if it is designed. Now, we do regulate some of the speech. So I can't um, – uh, there's crimes like um, telephone harassment. There's crimes like uh, aggravated menacing. I'm going to effing kill you now or I'm going to do these things. Like Some of that stuff you cannot uh, – you can't do, but a lot of it you can. Some of it's, some of it's protected speech. It, it, we used to split hairs in cases all the time. Like if I threaten you, is it a conditional threat? If you do this, then I'll do that. Well, that's not imminent because there's a condition precedent to what's going to happen. But if I just say I'm going to kill you or I'm going to slap my two magazines together, point a gun at you and start. Now, is that um, going to be considered some sort of an assault and can it be prosecuted? At least then you've got a colorful argument to actually go uh, make the case that they're inciting type words as opposed to me calling somebody a little leprechaun uh, while offensive and derogatory and all those things, um, should that be criminalized? Now, if I'm doing it a hundred times on Twitter or if I'm or on your Facebook feed or I'm harassing you, that's a different crime. You're not you're not prosecuting speech. It's something different. But let's just say I want to I want to use the N word. And and it, can you foresee a time when that's prohibited? Say white folks aren't allowed to use that word ever. Does that seem like a stretch in this day and age? No. It doesn't to me either. You're not allowed to use that word because that's a fighting word. It's offensive. I don't like I, I don't use the word. I don't I don't throw it around out there. I re, just like the flag. I don't burn a flag. I respect somebody's right to do it. As much as I think they're nuts, uh, you know, you're you're burning the very thing that lets you do it. But it's like I, fine, I get it. I don't kneel in front of the national anthem, but I respect that the federal government or the state government or the government can't prevent it. They aren't requiring you. They aren't requiring you to do it, and they're not requiring. They're not telling you you can't do it. Now, if your employer, like you said, says, "Look, I don't want to do that." That's a whole different game for me. I mean, that's a that's a different distinction, and I don't look at this based on the content of the speech unless you have to to assess it for fighting words or something. But you know, if your position is I hate this country and you want to kneel in front of the national anthem or you won't sing it, then you know what? That's why we have the country. That's why it's free. Because there are places where you will get shot for that. That's what's scary. Now, 
that's what's scary. Yeah, that's what's that scary. That they can change it and, and, and mandate you too. But your freedom of speech isn't always protected in the workplace either because that is a workplace that is not the government saying you can't talk. That is your employer saying, listen, man, you've been doing these rallies in the lunchrooms and getting everybody fired up. And we don't, you know, I mean, either side, I'm not saying I'm against yeah. that. Save it. Save it. We, you know, I mean, to go yeah. out there in public. You know, if you want to get somebody's burning a flag, though, if they're within the city limits and they don't have a burn permit, see, Maybe, you, right. you, you, you can get them that way. Because now, here's the problem, though. Here, here's the problem. And this is a, that's a great, great example to, to, to make this point is that if the government says, look, I know it's, that's protected conduct, that's speech plus conduct, that's conduct that is expressive, uh, so I can't regulate it. But you're not, allowed to burn, you're not allowed to have a fire in city limits, even though every single neighbor is burning a fire, roasting marshmallows at night in the fall. You get charged. All right, that's the same thing as regulating the speech. It's a, it's a discriminatory application of that law. There are things called time, place, and manner restrictions on speech. We're allowed, the government is permitted at times, you can't have a riot or, I shouldn't even say, you can't have a protest at five, if they say we're not going to let you march on High Street uh, unless you get a permit, and yet you can't get that, we're not going to give anybody permits at rush hour. But you deny Antifa the permit and give it to the KKK under the same circumstances, you are engaged in content-based, the government is then engaged in content-based regulation of speech, and it's unconstitutional. If you say, um, I'm going to give it to the KKK or give it to Antifa, but not the KKK, it is the same thing. And I guess as offensive as it is, you have to let people say and act and protest the way they want to. Um, or the, the, irrespective of what the what the content is, but they don't always get to do it the way they want to. They can't just uh, cause a, a scene or a riot. Um, now, um, it makes perfect sense that everybody knows that racism is bad. Everybody knows that <clears throat> the like uh, lynchings and all that bad stuff is there. Everybody knows all that. So why not just outlaw all discussions that promote that kind of stuff? I mean, that's where it starts to get scary. Like when, when you have to say, all right, I respect free speech so much that I'm going to let those with the worst ideas of all time voice their opinion just like I can voice mine. But doesn't that help expose them? Yeah, it's back to where we started. I yeah. mean, it, it exposes them. It shows them. It's like, did you hear what he said? Yeah, well, man, I always thought they were crazy. And, and you know, I'm sure that and it, there, there's always a wave of power that will change. You know, at one point in time, you know, the KKK was pretty powerful in the White House. Yes, yes. Throughout government, throughout they took they were they were henchmen yep. for uh, multiple uh, politics. And don't think it can't flip. And but now they're not that powerful anymore. I mean, unless maybe I, you know, and why I, is that? They're not. And but why? Because people they got kind of they showed their asses. They got exposed. They got exposed. Right. So the the, the free speech debate wins. Yes. It, it doesn't always win cleanly. It doesn't always win quickly, but it wins. Eventually, bad ideas are exposed for bad ideas. And I have found, by and large, the people that want to squelch it, the people that want to stop it are the ones with bad ideas. The people that don't want the other side to be able to voice their opinion are the ones that don't have good ideas. 
And that doesn't mean I won't let them, I, don't, I want them not to be able to, I, I, you know, bring it all on. I'll, 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 if I'm exposed for having an irrational argument, then by all means, let's, let's, let's fix it. And I'll, I'll change, I'll adjust, I'll change my thinking. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a winding uh, road. It doesn't follow a straight path to perfect, but it does meander that direction, I think. And, and if you stop, if you stop the forces in one direction and permit the others, then it only meanders in one direction, and uh, it's a it, it it's a bad one. It's got no self correcting tendency. But it can sound good, right? Sure, we don't need these people. But then next thing you know, everything you say, whenever you say it, you're paying three hundred fifty dollars for calling somebody a leprechaun, you know. And then it get, we're getting to a, a point in time where I was like, I can I say that? I don't know where where do I check? What am I allowed to say? Sure. When can I say it? You know, I mean, under what circumstances? And this is what's dangerous about what's going on with, like you said, the private workplace and the companies, et cetera. It's like they're all adjusting and creating their own infrastructure. Now they can do it, and the government can't say uh, yay or nay or talk or not talk or regulate content in the private sector in theory, and the private sector can. Um, but it just, I think it just shows where the dangerous path we're on, um, where if you're not allowed to voice an opinion, on off duty or off your job and you get fired for doing that, you know, what are we doing? I mean, really, what are we doing? I mean, if it doesn't impact your job performance at all, but you have an opinion, you have a thought and you have a belief that is contrary to somebody else's and you're fired for it, it's not a violation of the first amendment necessarily, but it seems like it's heading down a path that is uh, leading in that direction where eventually it's going to take fire. But uh, and I'm not advocating that the government uh, step in and fix it. It can't, you know. It's it's the opposite, right? They should step in and not try to fix anything. But uh, no, it's 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 a real, real dangerous thing right now. And if you're going to be able to shut up the other side, then you better be ready for the backlash that's coming because it's coming. And what's that like? It's like a, the old straw saying: "It's vengeance is mine. It's coming right quick," or whatever it is, you know. Now you had stated that on one of your calls, they that he said well, there were what did he say that there were people there that were taking notes or what was it legal observers? And I asked you, I said, what is a legal observer? I don't, I don't know. I didn't get that far to understand what a legal observer is, but apparently legal observers are out there. And I think what's going on is there are my assessment of this stuff of the protests are you've probably got in my I'm guessing on percentages, but you have a, say a third of those who are there because they really believe in their cause and they're protesting and they want to do it peacefully. They want to, they want to, uh, engage in, uh, that speech <clears throat> plus conduct to make their point. And their point's probably a good one. You have about a third who are there just sort of killing, you know, this is what we're doing. Let's go to the protests. You know, cause we sort of believe in this. We sort of don't, but something to do. And you got a third maybe that are agenda driven bad doers who want, who want, to blow it up who want to make or to get a response out of the police or, and, and I'm going to get to the opposite. I'll just get to it. Now I think on the police side, it's probably about the same. You've got these people who, you know, these police in the middle are looking for the seniors to figure out how to handle this or the, you know, they're, they're doing their best. You get the bad doers who are more than happy to get provoked and, and give a response that far outweighs anything that's appropriate. Uh, and then you've got the ones that are really good trying to do the right thing and, and reach out and talk. And I like to think they're more good than bad, but it's the same, you know, so you've got this scenario where 
the, the maybe it's not even third, 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 it's probably minority actually. So the minority of the people there or the lesser percentage of the folks there are really there to blow it up and cause problems and get a response so they can document it and make in whatever political hay they can with it. Because it sounds to me like he had to be told that, that don't worry, we've got legal observers there. Mm-hmm. So they're taking notes. So if anything goes down. Yeah, we got your back. We got your back. Yeah. So, some, you know, somewhere some people have been led to think, hey, we've got you. And because I've never heard of a legal observer, I, I mean, this, this sounds like something new. It sounds like something made up. But it sounds like something that sounds kind of good. Yeah, it sounds I mean, right. there's legal observers there. So like, they'll be they'll be watching you, and then, and then we'll make what sure I that— What I hear is organizers. Yes, organizers. Yeah, so and may, that may be good. It may be bad. And legal observers, maybe they're performing a really good role. They may be saying— we're going to make sure that you guys don't get emotional about this and get out of hand. Um, that that would be a really valid role, right? Yes. To say, look, w- this is our cause. I'm a legal observer, and you are violating the legal. We have like we we are creating our own internal structure on how we think this protest should work, and we want to make sure we don't cross the line of of, of becoming violent. That, that'd be a great cause. Or as a legal observer, someone's like, "Hey, go ahead. Don't worry about it. Got it." Push it, push it, push it. Yep, push it. Could we'll, be. we'll make sure you're within there. So it could go. It could go either way. I either don't way. know what this 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 is. Yep. And you know, I I think there's some folks who really really want to blow it up. They Young just minds are getting influenced in in a rapid time, mm-hmm. in a rapid way, and uh, it's just uh, I believe they're stealing from themselves. I think in the future they'll look down, and these are their their best years of their lives memory. Yep. No, I, I think so. And I think that, you know, we all make mistakes when we're young. Um, we all have issues. Uh, we all have, uh, we all have sort of immaturity things. Movies and Hollywood and stories have really kind of glorified a lot of protests that were going on. And we've had a lot of protests in America that were needed and, and wanted. But then, so you look in the history book and you're young and you're like, I want to say that I did something when I was young. I want to. I want to. I want to be in the books. Mm-hmm. I want to say I remember that I was there and did it. And it just. I noticed that because whenever I was really, I guess there was not. I mean, I, we could have found something to protest, but there was not a lot of protesting going on. I mean, we really, you know, I mean, there wasn't, uh, you know, that much. I mean, we had just come out of the Cold War. Yep. You know, and so that right there, you know, you you remember that time. You remember the Cold War. We had a common enemy. Yes. There was a common enemy that sort of defined what was evil. And look, you may disagree, but th- that was what we had. Um, we had this fear that we were going to be blown off the planet by a nuclear attack. Or we had this fear on the other side that we were going to instigate a nuclear attack that would blow us off the planet. Either way, it was bad. Right? There was this common thing. And we don't have that right now, I guess. You know, there were two Germanys. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, you had the East and you had the West. And remember when that wall came down? I mean, and that was a big work with Gorbachev and Reagan. And, you know, I mean, there. I remember that wall coming down because you'd hear the stories because it was still going on when I was alive. There were still people trying, had family that when the wall went up, half's over here, half's over here. Yep. You're not allowed over here, over here. They've got commerce. You can have a store. You can build a widget. Over there, you're told to work at the store and build this widget. And you you were not allowed. It was a country you couldn't leave. And not only that, there were armed guards preventing it. And, you know, there's the stories of people. There was even a movie about Hot it. Hot air balloons. The, the balloons, yes. right. 
But uh, I was there as a kid. I was there. I, I was at the wall when it was still the wall. And there were armed guards standing post. And, you know, on the one side, we were, I remember, I don't even know how I, I was young enough where I could still, I was old enough where I could remember this thought, but young enough where I probably couldn't fully appreciate it. But I was getting, uh, we were waiting in line buying like ice cream from a vendor on the one side and looking up right by the wall and there's like armed people. And it just dawned on me. It's like, I wonder what's going on over there. Cause we're just here buying ice cream. Everybody's sort of walking around. Kids are playing in fountains, whatever the heck was going on. It's like, it was such a, it was such a striking uh, paradox of what we're talking about right now. I mean, it's like, if you have, if you give your government that kind of authority or they take it from you, that's the, that's the, not even the extreme. It could even go farther in it had in that, in the Soviet Union. You weren't allowed to communicate. That's, they had to use carrier pigeons. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and that existed in our lifetime. The, the ultimate extension of these types of regulatory schemes incrementally in our lifetime resulted in a wall with guards on it, uh, preventing people in and out. And, and, you know, people are going to compare that to the Southern wall, right? But that's not what it was. People were not allowed to leave. People were not allowed to come in. People wanted to leave and they had to stay. Uh, it wasn't about immigration. It was about an authoritarian t- uh, governmental structure taking total control over people's lives. Um, you know, it's not the same. And uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the quick sort of witty response we get. But it's not the same. No. And then you look at what's going on in the sixth block there in Seattle. And I've, I've seen videos. And I've seen people have gone in. And you were talking about it too. I saw the same one you did with the, they built a wall. You know, they're totally against the wall, but now they're building a wall. They're totally against the ARs, but now they have armed guards there. And then on the inside, there's this uh, reporter, and he went to walk in this part of the park, and it said, Indigenous and Black only. So this this part of the they park. They segregated it, right. They segregated it. I was kind of like, this, you guys are doing segregation now? They're bringing that back? Yeah. No, it, it's so, it, and, you know, I don't even blame them so much it's like not to get too it's like they know not what they do right it's like they they think that there's this utopia out there all we have to do is just get rid of what's there and it'll be perfect but it's not because then you're left with human nature you know you're left with all the same problems without any mechanism in place to protect or deal with it and it doesn't work mob rule mob rule does not work it doesn't the mobs change the mobs change and who's in charge i mean this is animal farm all over so the idea is not to, to it, it just doesn't work. So now again, is this the, you, you're there, I know I already hear the accusation, well, you say you want a wall, but now we got Trump's wall and blah, blah, blah. But this is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about not being able to leave your country and being stuck. Yeah, that's country borders. That's a border wall. That's, that, that's, that's a border. You're, you're allowed to leave at any point in time you want. You're not allowed to criticize the government behind that armed wall. You're not allowed to say things. You're not allowed to express yourself. You're not allowed to commit the cardinal sin of criticizing your ruler, your president, or anybody else for fear of getting thrown into a freaking gulag and dying at hard labor. There were 20 million people killed by this ideology. And that's, you know, I I was listening to a report on the silk trade. And uh, the, 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 you know, the paths of it and the records that they were finding, 
you know, from China going in and out and, and what was being bought and sold and go through. And this was somewhere around 700 AD, you know, that silk was there and slave trade was there. And the hundred, they found logs of hundreds of th- 10,000, 100,000 slaves that are going along on the silk trade line. You know what I mean? What did they call that? The silk, there was a, there's a name yeah, for it, the I, silk. Me too fast. Yeah, but you know what I mean? And uh, so you date back to there, you mean, and alive today is slavery. Yep. Alive today. And there, you know, it's just. uh, I, I, you know, that's another interesting point. And then, you know, we can sort of wrap up our, our show here, but it's like this. I don't think anybody in our country, I don't want to say anybody, but I would say 99.99999% believe, believe fundamentally in their hearts, racism, bad. Slavery, bad. Bigotry, bad. Police brutality, bad. Racist police, bad. All these things, bad. Discrimination in the workplace, bad, bad, bad. I mean, it's like every, nobody disagrees. I mean, even like the NASCAR crazy stuff that happened. It's like I even watched that. It's like NASCAR rallied around and and really, you know, and it turned out to be nothing, but it's like they didn't, it wasn't like they were saying, we should be able to hang a noose in our garage for anybody we want. They were saying, holy crap, if this really happened, this is horrible. And they meant it. I mean, it was like, it's all bad, right? So it, everybody agrees that it's bad. All right, now what? I mean, really, now what? You're going to find the outliers, the, 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 the white supremacists, and they're, they're going to implode sooner or later, I would hope anyway. But it's, it's like they're you know, maybe they don't agree, but on the other hand, it's like, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think everybody thinks that. So what now, like, what do we do? How do we bring all those people together and somehow find a resolution to this mess without creating an authoritarian regime that tries to cram down its own thoughts and ideas and prevent yours? Like, how, how do we do that? I would say we can start with a constitution. You can read it cover to cover and enjoy this 4th of July weekend. Read the Declaration of Independence and understand that while it wasn't perfect when it was started, it is a journey towards perfect, perhaps never to arrive, but all always to uh, advance. And ultimately, at the end of the day, there is no perfect structure. There is no perfect utopia. It doesn't exist because humans are inherently imperfect. Uh, they just are. We are. We are. We are capable of all sorts of evil. And all sorts of bad things. We act in our own self-interest lots of times. We do horrible things to others lots of times. But we also do lots of good things. Everybody go home and listen to, what's a good one? Listen to your favorite uh, music. Listen to, go go research, go look at uh, research and look up your favorite piece of art. Look at all the awesome stuff that has come out of human existence and appreciate that instead of like the bad things that are peppering it also. Read your favorite piece of literature and take it in. Read your favorite poem. Enjoy it. Think to yourself, how on earth could that have been created here by humans who were so horrible? You know, it's like, I, you know, go listen to Bach. Go listen to, uh, uh, you know, what I, what I did. Go listen to the Bach cello suites cover to cover. I mean, just listen to start at one and listen to them all. Listen to somebody, listen to Yo-Yo Ma play the cello suites. It will take you to a, a different place of existence and it was the product of this horrible culture that we've created. All right. 
Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. I hope everybody stays out of trouble. It is lawyer talk off the record on the air. Lots of stuff going on here at Channel 511 and Studio C at 511. Uh, we've got uh, the comedians still happening. We've got uh, all the, the podcasts are re- slowly but surely returning. And we are slowly but surely getting our legs back under us. And we are slowly but surely churning out content, video and audio, video with Dan Buckley. Uh, making all the video happen, also the websites and related content happening. We got Freddie B making it sound awesome as usual. Dwayne Napper is even recorded up there at uh, Freddie B's studio, and that's uh, still a project half in the can. We haven't started back up. We got to get it back. I mean, it was it was it, we were on a steady roll. We had scheduled. Yep. We had times. We were meeting. We were doing it once a week. Yep, but it's coming. And uh, yeah, so we just got to get coming. out of the corona. Lots of great stuff happening. So, for the July weekend, stay safe. Don't shoot the fireworks at your neighbors. And be respectful of the dogs. I have a dog. Now, he's a hunting dog, and he doesn't mind a gunshot, but he knows the difference somehow, some way. He does not like fireworks. Now, I can shoot my shotgun right in front of him, and he'll look at me like, all right, where's the bird, Dad? But a firework, he cowers next to me on the couch and starts to shake. So, you know, while you're having your fun little fireworks fest, at least appreciate that if you're not worried about, like, shooting your own kid and blowing them up, uh, or burning down your neighbor's house or some other horrible thing. Maybe your pet doesn't like it. There's always some injuries. There's they're all, they're yeah. going to happen. And coming from a man with a short finger, <laughs> trust me, it can happen. Not, I uh, don't think uh, it won't happen to you. So anyway, this has been a lawyer talk off the record on the air, at least until now.